Welcome to the Jew and the Gentile podcast. We're starting off a little bit different because I'm the Jew. Uh, normally, Chris Katolka, the Gentile, introduces me as the sage. Well, today it's a little different. It is the Jew, that's me, and the Gentile podcast, but our Gentile is in Israel. It's late at night there. It's approaching, it's probably around 9.30 p.m. It's in the afternoon here in Pennsylvania. But Chris, Shalom, how are you? Shalom, how's it going, Steve, from Jerusalem? Good to see you. It's great to see you. I'm in a, this seat is hard to man to be the MC. You're the better lead in. I, I can't do this very well. So you're I'm going to. Fantastic. You're doing fantastic. Oh, yeah. You're just it's nice to just sit back and relax and let you take the, the wheel here. Right. You're the schmoozer. But listen, you're in Israel. And those who listen to the Jew and the Gentile podcast, all seven of them, want to know what is happening in Israel. The question, Steve, is what isn't happening in Israel? There's a ton going on. I'm with a hundred, almost 100 believers from all over the U.S. and Canada, and we are touring the Holy Land. And I have to tell you, we landed in Tel Aviv uh, last um, earlier this week, um, and we went from Tel Aviv uh, up the Mediterranean coast we, with a little stop in the Valley of Elah where we saw where David killed Goliath. Uh, but we went to to Joppa, Joppa, which is in the Bible, which is in the, the story of Jonah, the story of Peter and Simon the Tanner's house. Uh, we went from Joppa up to Caesarea with a stop in the middle to see what's called the Ilone Institute, where uh, a, a story of Israel's modern history. And then from there, we went up to Galilee and we traveled all throughout the Galilee region. We went to all the places that Jesus visited and did ministry, and then we went all the way up to the Golan Heights, and we saw the borders of Syria and Lebanon. Then we went down to the desert, into the Negev, as they call it. We, the, our, our friends on the tour floated in the Dead Sea. We climbed Masada. We uh, uh, went to Qumran, and then we landed in Jerusalem. And so we're in Jerusalem, and we've been moving all about Jerusalem ever since. Well, I'm... Tempted to give our Yiddish word of the day, but I'm not going to do that. But after hearing that, you must be exhausted. I am pretty tight. You know, we run a tight ship here at Friends of Israel when it comes to our tour. And it really is a great packed trip of information about what happened biblically in Israel's history, what's going on presently with the modern state of Israel, and also what's going to happen prophetically in the future. So it really is, Steve, as you know, because you've done these tours uh, plenty of times to know that when you come with the Friends of Israel, you're, you really get a, a span of history and uh, of Israel. Uh, we're talking thousands of years. And so it's a lot of information that people take in. But I just love hearing people, you know, uh, come away from a site and go, that was just something else. I never knew that. I never knew that, uh, you know, these places were so close to one another. I never thought about it like this before. I never thought it would look like this, challenging their Western minds to think a little bit differently about the events that took place in the Bible. And so it's been really cool to be able to journey with people through all of it. Well, that's great to hear. You know, I just want to remind everybody that 
Even this special broadcast is brought to you by Equip. And last night, we finished our third week in Equip. Uh, Tom Simcox took us through Messianic Prophecies. And I got to tell you, Chris, he only spoke about 35 minutes, and we had 35 minutes of questions. They had so many questions. Equip is that kind of ministry that's free, as you like to say, free, free, free. Uh, and you can then sign up for, in April, we're going to have a first century um, Passover. That's not by Equip. That's actually being done by the media department. And we're excited that they're going to be doing that. Uh, Dan uh, Price uh, is doing it. And Chris, that's going to be excited. exciting. You probably went to the Nazareth place for lunch, didn't you? We went to the Nazareth village and we had a biblical lunch. Sunday. I know. Is it? Those are so cool. So tell us what you ate in Nazareth. Yeah. So when we were in Nazareth, you tore a replica of a first century village because there really isn't, you know, much in archaeology in, in Nazareth. And so they built a, a, a replica of a first century village that Jesus would have lived in. And uh, when you're done seeing all of it, and it's a very cool experience. And when you're done seeing it, you you sit down at this table and you have lentil soup, which would have been a biblical soup that they would have had from that time during Jesus's time. You have a roasted chicken with special Middle Eastern spices on it. That was very good. Certain salads that they would have eaten and, and rice. Pita bread. Pita bread, right? Oh, tons of pita bread. Tons of pita bread and hummus, hummus, hummus. And so it was a very cool experience. Uh, somehow I was able to squeeze a Diet Coke in there. I don't think Jesus had Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> well, well while you were away, I and uh, I don't know if people can notice, I'm wearing the Israel baseball hat. Israel was in the World Baseball Classic. Uh, I found it hilarious. I Evidently, this has been going on a long time. I think I've been in Israel every time, and so I never paid a whole lot of attention and so I watched the first game. We uh, Israel beat Nicaragua, and so I told Alice, "You got to buy a hat uh, from them." So she went online and got me a hat. And I got to tell you, when Goldfarb scored, it was music to my ears. <laughs> I don't know who that is, but that's fantastic. I don't either. But Goldfarb, Goldfarb—that's about as Jewish. All the Jewish said. names. There was a Wasserman and a Goldfarb. I said. How is this possible? This is so exciting. But they were talking about how who qualifies to be on the team. And, you know, they're they're trying to get good ball players. And there are some good Jewish ball players, but it's tough. So one of the guys was married to a Jewish gal, so he qualified. <laughs> <laughs> hey Steve, can I go back? You were talking about how uh the podcast is sponsored by FOI Equip where people can go to foiequip.org to register for our upcoming classes like the Holocaust Remembrance with Ty Perry in April. But Steve, you'll laugh because I haven't told you this yet, but when I got to Tel Aviv and we were coming um, into the hotel, uh, a very kind lady came up to me who I've spent some time with while we've been traveling Israel. And she says, oh my goodness, you're Chris from FOI Equip. And I said, I am Chris from FOI Equip. She goes, I love FOI Equip. I love it. I love the classes. 
I love everything. I come to as many as I can. And she was listing them all off. And so, Steve, we've gone, inter- well, I don't know if we're international, but somebody who loves FOI Equip was is here in Israel right now. So uh, that is exciting. It's very exciting. Well, Chris, we need to know, give us, uh, you had to do devotionals. J- Jim always divides devotionals up. That is that we go to the sites, uh, not every single one, but when we get to a site uh, that has major significance, one of us, uh, Jim or you or other staff that might be there, will take the time to just give a short devotional as the people look around, they're able to look around and listen to, to the speaker and just look around at the spot that you're, whatever that person's talking about. So I know you were given responsibilities. Give us an overview of uh, a couple of the devotionals you might've done that could be helpful to our listeners here. Yeah, you know, one of the uh, devotionals that I always like um, that I think is actually very, very applicable, Steve, for the Jew and Gentile podcast is the devotional that we do in the city of Joppa. Um, Joppa is the biblical name that goes back to Jonah, um, the prophet Jonah, um, and to the New Testament. But today it's it's called Yafo, and it's connected to Tel Aviv. There's New Tel Aviv and there's Old Yafo. Joppa is actually one of the oldest port cities in the world. And the reason that I thought I'd land here is because number one, I do love giving this devotional when we do tours throughout the Holy Land, but also because we are the Jew and the Gentile podcast. Um, and, uh, you know, we don't talk about it that much anymore because I think we just assume people know. But I-, I was listening to some of our old podcasts, Steve, when we first got started, and we always highlighted the fact that, um, you know, you're a Jewish person, I'm a Gentile, and we're one in Christ. And Amen. That's, that's the reason we call it the Jew and Gentile podcast. But not all Jewish people thought that way when when the early church was formed. Um, And God had to radically change the minds of a lot of the disciples and apostles as they're doing ministry. They were still figuring things out along the way. And here is Peter in, uh, in Joppa, and he comes to Simon the Tanner's house in Acts chapter 10, verse 9, and it says this. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the housetop that the, uh, to, on the sixth hour to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. But while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance and saw the heavens open up and something like a great sheet descending. So we could look at this two ways. This is either a vision or Peter is dreaming because he's very, very, <laughs> he's hungry. <laughs> because it says he was hungry. and Maybe it's a little of both. That's right. We all have those moments. And so, but he falls into a trance and saw the heavens um, uh, opened and something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. And then it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And you know what, Steve, I when I read this, I always just, uh, you know, from the years of studying Leviticus and teaching Leviticus, that is basically everything that was just read there was everything unkosher. He sees everything that's absolutely And un-kosher. it would have been gross to him. It would have been gross. 100% disgusting. And verse 13, it says, And there came uh, a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, By no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything 
that is common or unclean. And that and may I sense. say, may I interrupt you real quick? That's a nice way that uh, th that it's given in the Gospels. What he probably said was, "Ain't no way I'm eating that trafe over over my dead body." There is no way. It's gross. I'm not allowed. Lord, if you, I think you were tempting me, forget about it. I've always eaten kosher stuff. This stuff is no way is this happening. <laughs> and he even uses more Levitical terms because remember in, in Leviticus, the priests were supposed, supposed to teach the people the things that are holy and common, the things that are clean and unclean. And right here, Peter says, for I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. So he's only been, he's saying, I've only ever been holy and clean. And so he's saying, I've never touched any of this unkosher stuff. And the voice came to him again a second time. What God has made clean, do not call common. This happened three times and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. Now, Peter was inwardly perplexed as to what the vision that he had seen might mean. Behold, the men who were sent by Cornelius, having made inquiry for Simon's house, stood at the gate and called out and asked whether Simon, who was called Peter, was lodging there. And so I'll just say this, Steve, when I was giving this message, it was, I, this never happened to me before. So I'm giving this message where I'm in Joppa, in the old city of Joppa. I'm standing right next to Simon Peter's house. I'm reading this text out loud. There's 50 people in front of me anxious to hear God's word. And all of a sudden, this old Israeli woman walks right up to me and starts yelling at me <laughs> in Hebrew. <laughs> She's just yelling at me. And I said, uh, Ronnie, our tour guide, comes over, and she is just angry. And she said, Ronnie says, Chris, let me tell you what this lady's telling me. She says, every day, she says, I live right up here. My, my window's right here where you're, where you're standing. Every day I hear about Peter. Every day I hear about this. Every day, every day, every, I can't sleep. I can't talk. I can't think. I can't. It's Peter. It's unclean. It's a sheet. She's saying, please stop. Please stop. <laughs> so anyway, I upset an Israeli woman. I, 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 she might have to move soon because she's definitely living in the wrong place. <laughs> hey, that's, that's good. That's choice. And leave it to an Israeli in the middle of a presentation to just come right up to the speaker and let you have it. Oh, and she looked like she just woke up from a nap. I probably <laughs> woke her up from her nap and she had her, it was probably the last straw for her. So anyway, I'm, uh, I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm reading this and I try, once we get reoriented away from uh, all, the, all the people or from that lady, and I, I try to convey to uh, the people that come to Joppa that God is preparing something amazing here. Peter, all of these pieces are coming together for God to begin to minister to the Gentile world and to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Cornelius is a several, you know, maybe a day or two's journey north in, in Caesarea, another port city, a Gentile port city in Rome. And God gives him a vision to send people to come get Peter because God has something for Peter to tell Cornelius. So God is the one orchestrating the pieces in order for a Gentile like Cornelius and his family to hear the good news. And what should be known about Cornelius is that it was low, it was, it was low hanging fruit for Peter because P Cornelius already loved 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It wasn't some pagan that had no association whatsoever with the with 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 Judaism or with the Old Testament. It was actually a Gentile that valued the Jewish people. He was a God fearer. A, a, a God fearing man. So I always call Cornelius low hanging fruit because he was ready to be picked uh, um, for for the gospel. Um, Thank God for low hanging fruit. We need low hanging fruit exactly, and so. That, you know, as we go through that, the idea here is that God sovereignly is arranging the fact that through the Jewish people, Peter, the 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 the, the uh, hope that is given to all the way back to Abraham, that Abraham through you, all the families of the earth would be blessed, that we see the very seeds uh, of, of Gentile ministry beginning here with Peter on the on the shores of the Mediterranean. And, you know, it's it's. It, Always interesting to me, Steve, that the gospel to the Gentiles really takes off, not up in Jerusalem, but it takes off on the shores of the Mediterranean where these ports are. And it's where these ports are where God is going to send his word out into the world and he's going to minister to people all around the world. It will be Paul later on who boards a boat from the same port city that Cornelius was from to go see Caesar himself to let him know the gospel. That's the reason he wanted to go. And that all started because, you know, ports and are for bringing things in and sending things out, import and export. Well, God was going to use that port to export the gospel, uh, one of the most value, the most valuable commodity into the entire world. And so I like to, we like to set people up for the story as it unfolds between these two port cities, one a Jewish port and one a Gentile port. Joppa's the Jewish port, Gentile, the, the Gentile port is Caesarea, and God is gonna use this story to communicate the fact that, that he wants the gospel to go to the Gentile world. And that's why we do the Jew and Gentile podcast, because the gospel- well, Let, me, let me rewind a little bit, Chris, uh, and talk about this, because this is a good place to camp. Um, when we we think of uh, the the Jewish people and how they viewed the Gentiles and how Gentiles viewed the Jews, uh, the it, 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 today we have an expression that I heard all the time: the Ganifs they'll suck you dry. We had Ganif as one of our Yiddish words. It's kind of like a a guy who's going to rip you off. And there there are many Jewish people who look at the Gentiles at with just great uh skepticism uh untrustworthy uh they don't believe in the living god they are pagan and the gentiles view the jewish people these people they they don't they don't worship the god we do look at the way they dress look at the way they worship there's a big division whether you fast forward to now like Chris, um, Bruce Scott leads Encounter. We go to New York City amongst the very Orthodox Jews. And you could see in the city, the Jewish people who are ultra-Orthodox stand out. And you could look at the faces of people around them. They don't trust what they're seeing either way. And you could go all the way back to the first century, and it's the same way. So for Peter, it took three times for God to speak to him in this trance, uh, and he did, and he all the time orchestrating Cornelius. This was a major thing and a major lesson uh, for Peter 
uh, who later still didn't get it because Paul had to kind of uh, discipline him when he was uh, leading a, a double life, so to speak. But this part was major, and the whole idea is such a beautiful idea of the church, which is made up of Jewish and Gentile people, part of one body, gifted differently, talented differently, uh, makeup different, but all used in consort like a wonderful orchestra for his glory. And that is indeed why we do the Jew and the Gentile podcast. Can I, you know, can you go back for a minute? Cause you talked about the fact that Peter was scolded by Paul. And I think it's, I think we should talk about that. You know, why was Peter scolding Paul? Why was he angry at Paul? Because it's funny because you would think Peter would be the one who would embrace the message because of the experience that he had um, with Jesus and the sheet and the unkosher food. And then the fact that, Paul, you know, um, he went to Cornelius, he saw gen the Gentiles coming to faith. Um, and then all of a sudden he kind of, he kind of, I don't want to use the word wimped out, but he kind of got scared and changed his, it's not that I don't think he, I don't think he changed his convictions. I think he was nervous about the people that were around him. And that's what Paul was calling out, the hypocrisy, if you will, to the, to the situation. No question, no question about it, but I'm really glad it happened in the, in the sovereignty of God, because it's a great lesson. It's the way we're constructed as people. And it's just a great reminder uh, Paul had to take him to the woodshed a, a little bit. Uh, when we talk about behavior and what we do, um, it's still an issue in the church today. Uh, you know, how we conduct ourselves and are we putting on a front? Are we, are we acting for a particular group of people or do we have a real biblical conviction? I think those are real issues. Um, you know, I also like to talk about when we get to Joppa and, you know, we've been unpacking this idea of God going to the Gentiles is um, that, you know, Steve, we, we dedicated some time to teaching about Jonah. And we talked about how Jonah boarded a boat in Joppa and he went in the opposite direction of where God was calling him to, to the Gentiles. And, you know, I always think about the connection of how Paul was a, a, an apostle to the Gentiles. He was called to the Gentiles, but he had a different character than Jonah. He took the call seriously and went into the Gentile world to a people that he knew didn't like him, to a people that he knew might run him off and disagree with him, um, and yet uh, was still sharing the same message of the fact that God has provided a way to be saved from his judgment. And so there's even that link, that that picture there of the Apostle Paul and Jonah um, here, you know, both called to the Gentiles, one unwillingly, the other willingly. And I always think I want to be the, I, I would prefer to be the one who willingly goes where God calls me to go than be the you one. Mean, you don't want to go kicking and screaming inside of a giant fish? Not at all. I'd prefer to just, and but you know what though? What's funny is he gets, J Jonah, I'd actually say Jonah suffered less than Paul suffered. You know, here's the, you know, Jonah gets on a boat. We've got problems there. He lands on a, the fish. 
And then, but then he heads there, and all, everybody just agrees with you know when Jonah gets to Nineveh, Steve. What do they do? We agree. We're, we repent. Yeah, Amen. but you know why? I'm telling you, three days inside a fish with all those digestive juices hitting your skin, I think he looked like the Walking Dead. Like I, a zombie. I think he looked like a zombie. They might have even thought this guy was dead, and he's a lot. Look at him. What is this message? We'll believe. We'll believe. Maybe, maybe Paul should have taken some tips. <laughs> You know? But it is it is interesting the way God, uh, even in the same geography, uh, two different situations and yet similar results. Uh, under Paul's ministry, Gentiles believe. Under uh, uh, Jonah's ministry, uh, Gentiles believe. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I just was, it, it's interesting we talk about Peter and we talked about Paul. You know, there is a difference between uh, believing in the Bible, uh, as Cornelius did, and being totally pagan. You know, in Acts chapter 2, Peter preaches a message to Jews, people who believe in the Bible, and 3,000 get saved. You go to Acts 17, and Paul is preaching uh, in Athens, and they're, you know, they're the muckety-mucks, the high and mighty intellectuals. and He's preaching the same message. He looks at all these idols they have. They don't believe in the Bible. They don't have any Bible background. Turn around and he say, hey, I see this, this uh, idol to the unknown God. I, I'm going to tell you about him. Yeah. And what do they say? This guy's a babbler. <laughs> this, guy, this, guy, this guy. And so some think he's half crazy. Others say, oh, we'll get back to you. Come back another day. Yeah. I just yeah. find it. I find it interesting. Well, I always like to go to um, the riot in Ephesus to see, I, I, honestly, how you don't think about it like this. But, you know, when, when Paul goes to Ephesus, he has a profound impact um, on, on the Gentiles in Ephesus, on the pagans. They're pagans. And these pagans who probably never once thought about the Torah, the law, the prophets, the, the Old Testament a messiah all of that they never they never woke up that wasn't a part of their culture the way they thought and an invisible god forget about starting with jesus an invisible god that doesn't have an idol i mean you're just you're unwrapping tons of of their culture their their polytheistic culture and so they they come to know the lord jesus and i find it so fascinating that i believe it's acts chapter 20 at the riot in ephesus where it talks about the fact that these these uh, idol makers are so mad at Paul <laughs> because these people that he depended on to buy idols because Ephesus was the hometown of a, a big Roman god where people would come from all around the world to worship, so he would sell the idols. Well, guess what? He's losing business because all these people are becoming Christians and they're abandoning idols and they're following the living God, it says. And the one true God, which means in some way, Steve, I don't, I don't, this might sound controversial, but in some way, Gentile pagans are starting to look more Jewish than they are pagan. And that is always just something that hits me is that they were abandoning and they actually were following the Ten Commandments without even having to be Jewish. Because their hearts were koshered. That's they right. Kosher hearts, circumcised hearts. And that's why Paul makes that argument 
in Romans 11 why we should love the Jewish people through our blindness as a nation, as a people. The gospel goes out and grafted into the branch. It's a, it's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, I, I, I'd like to talk more about it, but we don't have enough time because I want you to get to bed soon. But I want to move to the news, if yes. we could do that. Big news. Uh, and instead of going down through, we're not going to do fast news, going to look at Jerusalem Post or the Is Israel Today, none of that, because you're there. You're in Israel. You talk to people. Oh, uh, people and are talking, Steve. People are talking. So tell us what they're talking about. What's the news in Israel? Well, you know, I sit next to a tour guide, an Israeli tour guide, for 12 hours of the day. And we talk most of the time. And I'm going to tell you something. I would say my tour guide is actually a pretty politically conservative individual. But he does not like the new government, the Netanyahu government at all. The other tour guide we have that's with our CEO, uh, Jim Showers, leading his bus is probably more on the liberal spectrum of Israel's politics. He can't stand what's going on. And so we talked a lot about the judicial reform that's taking place. And, um, and you know, it's funny because it's, again, it's trying, it's, I have an American way of understanding the Supreme Court and how we choose the Supreme Court. That's not the way that Israel chooses the Supreme Court and the par and usually the parliamentary you know parliamentary system. And so, you know, I'm I'm infusing my worldview and my way of doing politics into their worldview and I think that's a Netanyahu thing too because Netanyahu grew up in America and understands American politics and I think I think I, I believe is trying to reform it in that way in some way. So anyway, I, they're just not big fans of the government, they're definitely not big fans of the ultra-religious components of the new government. Um, and so uh, that's really important because it plays out just a few days ago, I got a buzz on my phone from a news source here in Israel that said that the new government was considering bringing to the Knesset a law that would ban, it would ban the ability for people to share the gospel which, uh, and specifically the gospel. We're not talking about other religions. It's not like you can't talk, you can't do any conversion or anything like that. We're talking specifically about the gospel. And so that popped up on my newsfeed. And, you, you know, the picture they present are pictures of two Orthodox, ultra-Orthodox guys, you know, wanting to push the bill forward. Um, but And this has come up before, Chris. This has come up uh, under... Netanyahu through the years, and it's been shot down, but there's never been such a conservative uh, to the right government held together by so many ultra-Orthodox that it gave a scare here in the States among some of the evangelicals I know. I'm still pretty confident it won't happen. You're there. I would just say that Netanyahu is not in favor of that. Am I right? A hundred percent. Netanyahu's not in favor of it. He wants to shut it down. And also you have to think about this too. The majority of seats that are held in the Knesset are the Netanyahu, Netanyahu's party, Likud party, and they're not religious people. Um, so I don't think that they, that, you know, it, just because the religious are pushing, it doesn't mean that, that they will receive the votes to get it done. There might even be conservative people in the coalition of the Netanyahu government that would say, I disagree with that. 
and would shoot the bill down. And so I don't think it's going to get anywhere. I don't think with I don't think Netanyahu will let it get anywhere. But it always does raise that concern of, you know, it's already difficult enough to be a Christian in Israel. Now you're layering it with you can't even share the gospel. And there are already laws about sharing the gospel in Israel. Um, you can't share the your the gospel with someone under the age of 18 in 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 the land of Israel. They have to if you're going to give a child the gospel, they have to have parental permission. So you know you can't. And that's just... actually not a bad rule, Chris. I don't no. find it to be a bad rule. I wouldn't want my kids uh, talking to somebody about a a religion that's not or, or faith that's not of my approving. Like the programs we have here, Awana and all that, the parents have to, you know, give consent. You don't want somebody walking off the street. But I know at, at the same time, uh, the new law that at least was proposed as I read it, uh, two years in prison, if you talk about to anybody about anything related to the gospel, two years in prison. And if you talk to an under 18-year-old, I think it's even more in prison time. But again, it's not the law. They've read it once at the Knesset, uh, but I think it's going to be shot down. Um, Steve, uh, speaking of politics, we actually ran into a politician today in Israel. Who's that? Who's that? So we were touring the Pool of Siloam today. And Great place. It, it is. And I, I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that. But I look over because I took the group through the Canaanite Tunnel. And Jim took the group who didn't want to go up right to the pool. And so I come in after taking them through the group and I look at who Jim's talking to. I'm like, man, that looks like near Burkat over there. But mm. Jim's just so relaxed. It looks like he's talking to an old friend. And I'm thinking, and so I say to my buddy, Ronnie, I say, that looks like near Burkat. And he goes, that is near Burkat. And I go, <laughs> oh, I'm going to talk to near Burkat. Uh, well, help us here, Chris. Our seven listeners, who, who are we talking about here? Nir Burkat is somebody to be looking out for. Number one, he was the former mayor of Jerusalem for nearly 20 years. Um, and the people loved him. He was a great mayor of uh, the city of Jerusalem. Uh, he's in the Likud party, which means he's in the Netanyahu party that um, Netanyahu's in charge of. And he's the economic minister, the finance minister, a minister of economics in Israel. Um, and once Netanyahu, if he does ever step down from politics, uh, Nir Burkat could easily become uh, the next leader of the Likud party and could potentially be one of Israel's future prime ministers. So what did you ask him when you got up there? I wish I could say I asked him something. In fact, when I was moving forward, his bodyguard said, please not right now. <laughs> And I just pointed at my boss, Jim, and said, I'm with him. So, and I, I, I wanted to get a picture of Jim with Nier. And so I took a picture. And then when it all was said and done, I shook his hand. But our tour guide, Ronnie Steve, told me that when he saw Nier Burkat, he didn't even ask Jim Showers if he could go up and introduce him. He went right over to Nier Burkat and said, uh, excuse me, sir, there are very important people here um, that you need to meet. Um, and they are uh, friends of Israel, um, and they are advocates for Israel, and they love the Jewish people, and you need to meet them. And so Ronnie set it up. Isn't that fantastic? That is a moment. That is a big moment. Hey, before uh, you leave Israel, 
you should get a uh, use get get an opportunity to interview Ronnie and Tito. Yeah, I'll do my best to do that. See if you can do it. Just even a few minutes. Maybe we can put them on a special, just like we have uh, now the special Jew and Gentile podcast. We're trying to give our listeners bonus stuff, even though they're all free. We're gonna give them a bonus anyway. We're gonna we're giving you more free stuff. More for your money. <laughs> free, 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 free. <laughs> okay, so that's that's the news. Um, why don't we go to our Yiddish word? We don't have the music. I'm, I'll put just pretend the music's there. I'm gonna put it in. Oh great. All right. It's practically so, playing right now. Here we go. Okay. Here's Yiddish word of the day. Yiddish word of the day. Our Yiddish word of the day is plots. Plot. That's the word. And when uh, Chris and I first got on uh, to uh, do this special Jew and Gentile podcast, one of the things he said, Steve, I am tired. I mean, we're on the bus. We get off the bus, we're walking all over the place, then back on the bus, then off the bus and walking all over the place. I am tired. I said, Chris, our word for the day is plots. It means to just, uh, uh, uh. you plot, you kind of fall down. And I'm uh. Yeah, I was gonna say, Alice, I'm glad you brought that up. That's Alice Herzig in the background. Uh, <laughs> Steve, what are the four stages of? Uh, oh boy, I, let's see. I don't. I, 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 stretch, go ahead. Uh, wait, wait. It's one of them is spitz. One of them is kvet. Not kvet. Kvet. Yeah. One of them is plots. Uh, and the last one's plots, but I can't think of the third. What's the first one where you're actually working out? We can't remember the one where you work. All right. Well, we have to remember. Well, at least we know. Three of the four, which is to fetch, schwitz, and then you. Oh, stretch! Stretch oh. is the first one. Stretch. Stretch. Yep. That My wife is yelling them. <laughs> schwitz and plots. <laughs> and we have it in our podcast room. That's exactly That's right. That's right. Stretch. You've been doing a lot of stretching on your trip. I'm going to tell you something. I have heroes now on this trip. And actually, when I hear you say how tired I am and you're saying I walk around and I'm tired, I should not complain because there are 80-year-old individuals on this trip, Steve. Uh, we have an age range that spans 20 up to 80. And these 80-year-olds are killing me. They, this one amazing 80-year-old woman, her name's Anne, um, she said to her sons, who are probably in their 50s, uh, I am going to Israel with the friends of Israel. They're from Georgia. They're from the South. And the sons were telling me, um, my mom, we want her to go, but they bought tickets right away. Cause they just, they, you know, they're concerned about their mom, their mother, as they say, mother. And so they've been with her, but I'm going to tell you something. That 80 year old woman has been beating her, they're her sons just, you know, in walking, she's willing to do anything. She's up the steps, down the steps. You know, and they're all huffing and puffing in the back. And so um, it's really cool to see, uh, you know, I shouldn't be tired because there are just people who are 80 years old and with canes and they are walking the hills and not complaining at all. Well, 
That is great to hear. And before we sign off, you're still in, not in the midst of the trip. The trip's only a couple more days. What are your plans tomorrow and the next day? I, I can't even tell you, Steve, how crazy it's been because Ramadan is happening right now. And on <laughs> <laughs> it's Friday night, so Shabbat Shalom. But it's Friday night, and so you've got uh, Shabbat on Friday night, Ramadan prayers going on. Um, and so the city of Jerusalem, you have Palestinians coming in to pray at the at the Temple Mount. So the the Israeli, the municipality of Jerusalem shut down all the streets leading into the old city. So we had to completely rework our entire schedule. And so today we went to the city of David and we crept up a, the, you know, a different way to get there. And then we went all the way down to Bethlehem and we started the day at the garden tomb before they closed everything at nine o'clock. And so uh, everything's been reshuffled and reworked, but I believe tomorrow we might see ourselves at the Mount of Olives. We're definitely going to be going back to the Western Wall. Um, we still have to get to the Davidson Center, which is the southern steps of Jerusalem. Uh, there's still a lot to see. We've got to get to Yad Vashem and the Israel Museum as well. So we've only got two days left, but we've got a lot to accomplish yet. Well, when we meet again, I think we definitely need you to talk about, and you and I could discuss, Yad Vashem is the Holocaust Museum and the place when any dignitary comes to Israel, the first place they take them is to Yad Vashem. And I think it's a great way to start off the trip if you're a dignitary from another country because if you can understand the things at yad vashem you'll understand why israel is so important yep exactly exactly all right, all right steve how are we closing this thing out i think we should remind people about our upcoming classes uh, we should remind them this is brought to you by equip uh, as i said we just finished a class with tom simcox and if you go to foiequip.org uh, eventually that course will be up and you could watch it tape. There are numerous other courses, just as Chris met a, a lady who has listed all the courses she's been to, uh, but you could go to them as well just by going to foiequip.org and access any course you'd like. But upcoming uh, is from Friends of Israel. First is the first century Passover. We're also going to have uh, a, a Holocaust remembrance uh, time that's going to be from uh ty perry who also had a course on anti-semitism and what else chris i know i'm missing something else this month well we're gonna be, april. well april's holocaust remembrance but we have got all of our classes from may until august going to be uploaded pretty soon so keep a lookout on foi equip for that okay that sounds great well chris i'm gonna let you go to bed you could plots in the bed i will uh, i'm already plotted on top of the bed i'm sitting right here there you go. Your plot's on the bed. Uh, you'll add the music later. Why don't you, especially since it's a special uh, uh, Jew and Gentile podcast, you're in the Holy Land. Give an especially, it's Shabbat. My wife's yelling Shabbat. Oh, my wife is getting bold. You, she's I'm becoming a little more Jewish. I know. We I'm in her, here when she's not invited. Get her microphone. Good for her. I'm excited. But uh, yeah, it is Shabbat there. Uh, why don't you pray for us? You got it. Lord, thanks for this time that we can have together. And Lord, I think of Peter sitting on top of Simon the Tanner's roof. And Lord, you commissioned him. You were shaking him, Lord, to tell him to do something different that, than everything that he ever knew. 
um, to go to the Gentiles. And Lord, I'm thankful that he did that as a Gentile, that uh, because of the way you sovereignly orchestrated things, the gospel went to the Gentile world, that uh, the blessings that were given to Abraham were blessings that were given to every family of the earth. And Lord, as I think about the Jew and Gentile podcast, uh, Steve and I uh, are one in Christ. We are we are uh, members of the body of Christ, um, a part of the family of God equally together. And so, Lord, this is just a fresh way to be reminded that all of that happened and started right here in Israel. And we're thankful for that. So we want to give this time over to you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, Chris, great to see you. And I look forward to seeing you when you get back. Okay, this is how you say goodbye in Hebrew. You ready? Lahitrot. Shalom, shalom. <laughs>